A reading life, a writing life, with writer and teacher Sally Bailey. It's the middle of the night and I can hear the birds singing. That seems very wrong to me. They were so loud just now. They didn't exactly wake me up, but something did. The temperature, it's very warm. And I know that the birds are singing because of how warm it is. Of how very warm it is. I think it must be at least 10 degrees. So I have no idea why I made a hot water bottle. There's no need for a hot water bottle when it's 10 or 11 degrees at half past two in the morning. Silence. Silence. And I was singing a carol or rather I was singing a carol in my head. And I was thinking about Christmas cards and how I don't wish to send them. I don't wish to send Christmas cards, although I don't mind receiving one or two very beautiful ones, but on the whole I think, what a waste of paper, what a waste of time. We should just sing Christmas carols instead. My favorite is in the bleak midwinter. The words are by Christina Rossetti, of course. In the bleak midwinter. On snow, snow, on snow, on snow. In the bleak midwinter, long ago. There's no point trying to follow a choir boy anywhere. Also, the notes are too high for this time of night. I can't possibly go that far up the treble clef. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
would take a lot more breath than I have. Today was my mother's birthday. She loved Christmas carols and she liked taking us to hear choristers sing. In St. Mary's Church, in the middle of town, have you noticed how every church is called St. Mary's? Hardly surprising, but St. Mary's Church was in the centre of my hometown, next to the library, in between the Civic Centre and the fire station. Set back from the road, Mole Travers Drive, was St. Mary of the Virgin Church, Anglican, however, not Catholic. And I remember as a smaller child being awed by its arches, that sense of being inside a whale's bones. Churches always remind me of gigantic fish. Jonah, inside the whale, vaulted arches. In the bleak midwinter, long, long ago, I wonder why it is we carry certain sounds for so long. I'm looking out of my porthole window, which looks to me so often like an eye, an oculus, an oculus, an eye. My second eye. I've been thinking a lot about eyes today. I had to go up to the hospital again and consult and consult with a neuro-ophthalmologist who knows about eyes, the front of eyes, the middle of eyes, the back of eyes, the retina, the arteries, the blood vessels, the nerves, the optic nerves which in my case have been damaged. Quite considerably. But I can still see the poplar leaves on the other side of the river, underneath the street lamp. The street lamp in the middle of the bridge which runs across the main artery. I know they're poplar leaves because of the way they move. They shimmer lightly like feathers. And right now they look like they've been sprayed with gold. Like Christmas decorations in a church. Except they're moving. 
I was thinking of John Milton, who famously went blind. can't remember if that was before or after Paradise Lost. Probably after. I used to know. Probably after the fall. There's a lot of Falling into the darkness in Paradise Lost, Satan goes a-tumbling. They're the best scenes. What I remember the most about John Milton's Paradise Lost, which I haven't read for a few years, is firstly how easy it is to read, it zips along, and secondly, how spacious it is, how spatial, how three-dimensional, a complete world inside the words and Satan as I recall him as a kind of circus master of space he tumbles and he turns and he falls and he plummets like a hurtling comet down through the darkness he plummets plummets but with great charisma. The Prince of Darkness falls well. It's funny how you remember the sensation of great literature because it leaves behind a permanent mark upon your mind's eye which seems to somehow affect your whole body. Wuthering Heights is like that too. It's full of darkness and devilry. Heathcliff is another Satan, of course. And that is another great work of art which somehow conjures three-dimensional space in the same way as Milton does. A complete world unto itself. My oculus is surrounded by varnished wood. And my reading light, which is another oculus here, it creaks back and forth on its metal neck. It has a bending metal neck. is a circle with a hole in the centre, like an eye that's been carved out, that somehow lost its pupil. Its centre. Everything to me now looks like an eye or an oculus or a retina or a pupil or an iris.
everything sees or does not see. When I close my eyes, now, as I often do, in pain, I remember that I can still see shapes and colours. And right now I'm writing about the world of cinema, which of course is a world of darkness, a dark theatre, until the lights go up. And it is another way of thinking about sight and seeing the theatre of the eye, of the imagination, the cinema screen, it's a way of thinking of all our projections, all of our hopes and fears and desires go onto that screen. And the cinema in my hometown was called the Windmill Theatre because like most cinemas built in the 19th century, it had once been a theatre before the cinema came along and replaced it. One art form with another. One way of seeing and hearing with another. A different kind of lighting. Stage lighting. The lighting of the camera eye. The camera eye. There a car goes by over the bridge, past the street lamp, which hovers like a bright star over the poplar trees, the poplar trees which are still moving, underneath the sky, the dark night sky, although it's become Slightly less dark, more blue, since I've been talking to you. And the birds. The birds have gone quiet. Perhaps they're sleeping. Thank you for listening to A Reading Life, A Writing Life.
If you've enjoyed this podcast, please like it, give us a review, or mention us to friends or on social media. Thank you.